Greetings, everyone, and thank you for joining Church on the Real Real. That's R-E-E-L, as in the multi-platform broadcast. R-E-A-L, as in having a genuine conversation or true dialogue about faith-based issues. I'm your host, Donna Means. Chapter 5 denotes the conclusion of James's letter. We cannot end the story about Camelese James without discussing prayer, can we? James ends in a similar way. He begins by talking about difficulties, tests, and challenges. Not only does he tell the readers to expect these kinds of problems, but he offers advice. He instructs us to be patient and stand firm in the face of suffering. We are to pray as we wait patiently. We must direct our attention as well as our emotions and our lives towards the one who is full of compassion and mercy. Chapter 5, verses 7 through 12, James talks about the patience in suffering. It reads, Be patient then, my brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth, or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. In this passage, James urges Christians to be patient while they await the Lord's second coming. He uses the metaphor of the patient farmer expecting a bountiful harvest. It is impossible to accelerate the process. The farmer must take care of the soil all year long to ensure a good harvest. In the same way, we must practice patience while we await Christ's second coming. We cannot change the timeline to speed Christ's return. However, there is a lot we can do to prepare. James tells us not to grumble against or blame others for our misery. Blaming others is easier than owning our share of the responsibility, but it can be both destructive and sinful. For instance, if we read in Genesis chapter 3 verses 11 through 13, we will see the perfect example of the blame game. Adam blamed Eve when God questioned him about his guilt. Eve then accused the serpent. How simple is it to rationalize our sins by blaming others or external factors? However, since God is aware of the truth, he holds us accountable for our actions. Instead of blaming others, we should acknowledge our flawed attitudes and behaviors, then repent before God. Before we judge others for their shortcomings, remember that Christ, the judge, will come to evaluate each of us. He will not let us get away with shifting the blame to others. Jane reiterates the need for patience. He makes a reference to the prophets. Moses, Elijah, and Jeremiah were prophets who suffered and were persecuted. He also mentions Job's perseverance and how it proved beneficial for Job. If you don't know the story of Job, quick summary, Job lost everything, wealth, health, and his family. Ultimately, God responded to Job, restored him, and gave him double for his trouble. As in the farmer metaphor, Christians rely on their faith to lead them as they strive to achieve their rightful rewards. We should not operate as though 
price will not make a future return. We must diligently work out our soul's salvation, continue to press toward the mark and be a living sacrifice. In verse 12, James says, above all my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, or you will be condemned. People who have a reputation for exaggerating or lying sometimes find it difficult to persuade others to believe them barely on the basis of what they say. Christians must never behave in such a way. We need to always be honest if we want others to accept our unequivocal yes or no. We shall build a reputation for being reliable by abstaining from lying, telling partial falsehoods, and omitting the truth. James chapter 5 verse 13 through 20 reads, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back. Remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. According to James, we should turn to God, not just when we are in distress, sick, or need to confess a wrongdoing, but also when we're glad. Most life circumstances appear to be covered by what James is saying. This constant prayer mentality is like that of Israel's renowned song and prayer book Psalms. The majority of the 150 Psalms that have been highlighted appear to either say, thanks, a gratitude for some heavenly favor. Wow, a declaration of awe of God's majesty and beauty help, laments, confessions, or requests for supernatural assistance. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18, the Apostle Paul advises us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17, Paul urges, pray continually. In Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 through 7, we read, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, prayer should not be used as a last resort in emergency situations. As Christians, an open line of communication with God is what he desires in every situation. James refers to 
someone who is sick. The person who's physically incapacitated. The elders of the church are to anoint the infirm person with oil. Oil was used as both medicinal and a representation of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Oil may stand for both the spiritual and the medicinal sides of existence. Christians should not distinguish between the worldly and the spiritual. Jesus rules both the physical body and the spiritual body. Elders should be informed if a church member is ill and everyone in the congregation should be encouraged to pray for their need. As members of the body of Christ, no believer should be alone and should have the ability to turn to one another for support in prayer, particularly when they are struggling or in need. The phrase, the prayer made in faith, refers to the faith of the one praying, not up to the one who is ill and is the subject of prayer. Faith cannot heal. All prayers are subject to God's will. Our prayers are a part of God's healing process. Before intervening to heal someone, God often listens for our heartfelt prayers. If the illness is due to sin, the infirm person's sins will be forgiven. You may now ask God for forgiveness directly because of Christ. However, admitting our sins to one another continues to be significant in our Christian walk. We must ask for forgiveness if we have done something wrong against another person. We must confess our sins in front of the church if our sins have caused harm within our local assembly. We should disclose our sins to those who can offer us the compassionate support we need while we battle them. If after confessing a private sin to God, we still do not sense his forgiveness, we might want to confide in another believer and hear them convince us of God's forgiveness. Let me break it down so it can forever and consistently be broken. Now everyone within the body of Christ can give us the compassionate support we need. Throughout James's letter, he provides us with characteristics of a mature Christian. The mature Christian has both a controlled and caring tongue. They can provide us with godly counsel, be great confidants, and prayer partners. They will supply us with the compassionate support we need. Avoid the babes in Christ because they have not established the spiritual maturity needed, and we don't want to lead them astray. Avoid the chatterbox who will quickly betray your confidence to add to the rumor mill. Avoid the conniver who will use the information to their advantage. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Solomon prayed to God in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, asking God to provide for the people when they sinned. God supplied four requirements for forgiveness and response. First, humbly admit our sins. Second, we should pray to God and ask for forgiveness. Third, we never stop seeking God. And fourth, avoid engaging in sinful activities, changing our behavior. Now, while Jesus did die on the cross for past, present, and future sins, we are still required to do this. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Every believer serves as a priest to other believers in the kingdom of Christ. The priesthood of all believers is a term that Christians occasionally use. People did not directly contact God throughout the time of the Old Testament. God and sinful people were connected through a priest. 
This practice has been dropped in the wake of Christ's victory on the cross. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Priests are inferior to Christ, and his priesthood is superior to theirs. The high priest was regarded by Jews as the highest religious figure in the nation. To atone for the sins of the entire country, he was the only one to enter the Holy of Holies in the temple once a year. Like the high priest, Jesus serves as a mediator between God and humanity. He represents humanity before God, pleading on our behalf. He assures us of God's forgiveness as God's spokesperson. Since Jesus is actually both God and man, he possesses greater authority than the Jewish high priest. In contrast to the high priest who could only approach God once a year, Christ is continuously pleading on our behalf at the right hand of God. When we pray, he is always willing to hear us. In verses 19 and 20, restoration for the backslider is discussed. It is obvious that the individual who strayed from the truth is a Christian who has turned to sin and is no longer acting or following his or her convictions. Christians argue about whether it's possible to lose one's salvation. What all Christians agree upon is that ones who stray are in grave danger and need to repent. James encourages Christians to aid backsliders in their return to God. We may meet the individual where he or she is, praying for the person and acting in love. James's entire letter has a central topic of endurance. Chapter 5 explicitly discusses perseverance in prayer. Is not waiting a common component of prayer? We give God our whole hearts, then watch as he responds in line with his timetable and purpose. The more we put our faith in God's character, the simpler it is to wait patiently for him to act. James recommends that his readers be patient, much like the farmer who is waiting for the rain. When faced with challenging situations, we must show both internal and external control. Long-suffering is the name of this virtue. This kind of tranquility, which is rooted in faith, makes it possible to wait and prevent irrational rage. Nobody gets worked up in a patient manner. They do not fly off the handle, flip their lids, or blow their stack. Instead, they do so with grace and patience, enduring difficulties and delays without complaining or acting hastily. The book of James emphasizes faith in action. Right living is the evidence and result of faith. The church must serve with compassion, speaking lovingly and truthfully, live in obedience to God's commands, and love one another. The body of believers ought to be an example of heaven on earth, drawing people to Christ through love for God and each other. If we truly believe God's word, we will live it day by day. God's word is not merely something we read or think about, but something we do. Belief, faith, and trust must have hands and feet. Ours. Thank you for joining the conversation today. Please join me on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. My handle is Church on the Real Real. On Twitter, it is Church on the Real, R-E-E-L. Please like, follow, and share the content with others. Additionally, 
On the Anchor.fm platform, you can leave a voicemail message on each podcast or respond to the survey questions. Again, thank you for tuning in. Please join me next week. Until then, God bless.